All right, let's declare God's word. Say, I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's say one more time. I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. As the word of God is coming for this evening, it's enlightening my heart, it's changing my thoughts, and making me exactly like the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. Believe it, turn to your neighbor and say the Lord is good. All right, what we are doing is just to get ourselves excited, ready to receive the word of God. Yeah, you know, I'm very happy. You know, I'm very happy. I'll tell you the reason. Because I found, an, I found a title. <laughs> For that, my faith, you know, you have done life of faith, work of faith, power of faith, faith, basics, faith, advanced faith, this, I you know. Yes, let me reserve that one, advanced faith something. Because we'll keep on going around, around, around. Okay. So, during the week, I just had a flash of inspiration. Total faith. Come on. <laughs> so, I want to start today talking about total faith. All right? That's what I want to talk about. Can you just say it with me? Total faith. Total faith. Now, this is how we are going to start. All right. Let's start from the book of Mark chapter 9. The book of Mark, chapter 9, is where we start from. This is a story we know. Now, let me just warn you ahead of time. Many of the things I've, I'm going to say, you say uh, you said that one before. I, I mean, too, I know. Are you getting my point? I, I know I've said it before. So, allow me to say it again, okay? Yes, so, <laughs> Peter said, I know you know these things, but I will, not, I will not neglect to remind you of them, all right? Where there is no repetition, people are not established, Okay? That's a matter of fact. Where there's no repetition, the people are not established. And that's why we have to keep saying these things again and again until we are fully, uh, we are full understanding concerning them. And then again, I'd like to recommend this book that I wrote some years ago titled, um, Great Faith Can Be Yours. Okay? It's not available in print right now, but you can find it on our website and it's free to download as a PDF file. It's less than one megabyte, all right? Just put it on your computer, on your phone, on your tablet, and you can read it. I really, really recommend um, that book. And many of the things I'm going to say, of course, they will be inside there, but of course, new light will be coming forth as we are speaking. So these are the reasons why we keep on saying this, so that God can give us the revelation that we address our situation each time. Okay, so the book of Mark chapter 9, a man came to the Lord, went to the disciples, and he wanted them to pray for his child. And then they did, and nothing happened. That's in verse 9, in from verse um, 17. The Bible says, one of the crowd answered him. He said, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with the spirit that makes him mute. And whenever he seizes him, he slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. 
Please, I want you to understand this. He wanted the disciples. Of, he didn't come to Jesus initially. He went to his disciples. Cast out this spirit from my son. And they were not able to do that. So that was when he now came to the Lord Jesus. And he now said in verse 19, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? He said, bring him to me. The Bible says that they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father answered, from childhood. He now said, if you can do anything, take pity on us. Okay, let me just read the whole verse in case somebody is following this. He said, it has thrown him, in verse 22, it has thrown him in, both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, that is a question mark, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. If you read the good news in that particular portion, it says that I, I believe, but my faith is not enough, something like that. All right? Help me, because my own faith is not enough. And then the Bible now says, further down in verse 25, Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said he is dead. And Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up, and he got up. Now, I want to just bring out the issue here about the unbelief and the fact that the man was told, if you can believe. In verse 23, you will notice that the Lord Jesus said to the man, when the man said, if you can do anything, help us. And he said, now, depending on the transition you are reading, I'm reading the New American Standard. He said, if you can, that is, are you telling me if you can? It is not, the problem is not whether I can do it, it's whether you can believe. And he said, if you can believe, everything is possible to the man that can believe. I want to start today by explaining this issue of faith, what it is again. The Bible tells us clearly that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And when it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God, what it means is that the pleasing of God is totally impossible, except there is faith in the heart. Bear that in mind. Now, there's something I want to explain here again. Just quickly go down to the book of Mark chapter 11, which is a very well-known portion of the um, Gospels, especially if you grew up under the word of faith. The book of Mark chapter 11, just... Flip your Bible a few pages, you'll be there. Now, what I want to say is my own understanding after reading this Bible up and down and trying to get this in context. I think what I'm saying is correct. My own reading of this. We know the story about how Jesus was passing by in verse 20 and he saw a fig tree and then he cursed the tree. That is, before that, sorry, not verse 20 now. Where did he cause the tree now? Now, if you see from around verse um, 12, the Lord Jesus was going into um, the, that city and then 
after he left Bethany, the Bible says he became hungry. And he saw a fig tree at a distance. And then he was upset about the fact that the tree was not producing anything. And he said to it in verse 14, no, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the Bible says the disciples were listening. Then when they were coming out in verse 20, it was passing by in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Or literally, have the faith of God. All right? Literal Greek. Truly I say to you, please, I want you to understand what he said. Have faith in God. Have the faith of God. He said, this is an explanation of it. If you have faith in God, if you have the faith of God working in your life, you will say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. All right? And you do not doubt in your heart, but you believe that whatever you say is going to happen, it will be granted to you. All right? Now, let me just read it the way he said it, verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Now, please, I want to read that verse 24, like I said at the beginning. This is how I understand it. I've been read the Bible here and there and getting the context in which that the spirit of the context in which the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking. I do not believe he was giving it as an instruction that whenever you want to pray, believe that you have received and you will have it. Having read it, this is what comes across to me, that he was giving them as a condition. That is, when you pray, if you can believe, he wasn't commanding, make sure you believe. Um, and and I, I say this because I read what he said in Mark chapter 9, and I read the way he was speaking here. Why were you able to do this? Remember, when he cursed the tree, he wasn't fighting the tree. When he cursed the tree, he kind of made a passing statement. All right? He was not... Uh, please, if you have a different opinion, you can let me know later and explain to me why you don't, you don't think my opinion is, is um, right. Okay? The way it sounds to me was as if he just said it in passing and was not planning to think about the tree again. But because of the force working inside him, I hope you are getting my point. You know, I read a story once that a, a woman came to a man. The child was sick. She wanted, this, um, she wanted this man of God to pray. And the man said, I'm tired. And it's happened to me before. Somebody wants to talk to you and you say, no, I can't. And the person won't let up. All right? So the man, after some time, he got tired, like, Madam, please let me be. He just, he touched to push her away, and the child got well. <laughs> I don't know whether you get my point. He wasn't trying to pray for her. He's like, please, get out, I am tired. And that's all the woman wanted, that touch. Now, why am I telling that story? It's because there was power available. Even though he wasn't trying to help out, but the presence of the power it just had to move. I've heard stories before, many times, some of these men of God. The man gets tired, he's been ministering. Ministering. Okay, he's tired. Because he's tired, let me lean on somebody. He touches the person, the person flies away five feet. So, let me, nobody should touch me, let me go and sit down by myself. What am I going to explain? 
is a presence of power. When the Lord Jesus opened his mouth and spoke, he wasn't trying to kill this tree. You want to try son of God. Son of God, they're hungry. You no no say you supposed perform. All right. Peter, hold me. I'm killing somebody today. <laughs> he didn't do that. He just looked with disappointment. No one will eat of your fruit again. And because there was power present, the tree died. And that power, when they asked him, how come that happened? He said, it's because of my faith. The faith of God, that is my whole, let me just spend the minute of the world, have faith in God. And actually, you wonder, in case you are wondering, where am I going with all of this? I want to explain to Christians that they, they should stop treating faith like something you pick up, use, and drop. I, I hope you are getting my point. It's very important. You, you, we have to stop treating faith like something we pick up when we need it, we use it, and keep it when we don't need it. Jesus was saying that my whole life is a life of faith. That is, for example, it still happened yesterday where I was still talking with some people, sugar is not good for you. And I asked the person talking, one of my sisters, I said, who said so? Yeah. One of the most important questions you must, questions you must ask yourself in life, all right? One of the most important ones is this. Who told you you were naked? You know, when Jesus came to Adam, Adam, where are you? A story. Then we heard you coming. Then we went under the grass. Why did you do all of that? Because we're naked. The Lord asked him a simple question. Who told you you were naked? That is, the source of your information is very crucial. That was the first thing the Lord wanted to know. Who told you you were naked? You can't come to the conclusion that you are naked all by yourself. Somebody must have fed you that information. What does that tell me? I'll tell you. The Lord, you see, you must understand the way the Lord reasons. He wasn't saying that, uh, how do you know you are naked? He asked the question, who told you? So he now said, have you eaten of that fruit? Now that tells me something. After they ate of that fruit... They were now able to hear the voice of Satan telling them they were naked. Now listen to me. A voice had to tell them they were naked. It was not a conclusion they came to by themselves. That's why the Lord asked them, who told you you were naked? And I said, the ability to hear that voice is only with somebody who has disobeyed God. (laughs) I don't know whether you are getting my point. Listen, everyday life is talking to you. That's where I'm going to. Everyday life is talking to you. What you're able to hear, it depends on what you have been obeying. Sometimes I have, you know, I told you before, I used to have arguments with people about the country, future, destiny, your children, that kind of thing. I now realize that. How, how come they can't see what I'm seeing? How come they can't relate with what I'm relating with? How come? One of our brothers came the other day. He's been, the, been the, uh, I think, yes, he lives in the U.S. He's been in the U.S. a very long time. So last time he came, he really moved around. And when we spoke later, and about three days ago, he said, ah, I was really impressed. All of you guys back home, you are doing very well. Because he went from one place to the other, from Lagos to Ednogu to Wari to, you know, visiting brethren. He even went as far as Sokoto. And he said, wow, you guys are doing very well. When you see people make decisions for their lives sometimes, you know, you're, you wonder that, are you blind? You are, you know, in your mind, are you blind? 
you see an adult, married man, children, a professional, has a good certificate, has a good job, you know, yes, not living the big life yet, but you just look, this is future here. You can do something about it. And at the age of 40-something, he packs and goes to America to go and start again with people who are 20. Listen, except God calls you like he called Abraham, don't try that nonsense. You are going to be having struggles of 30-something-year-old men when you are 60. It's a wrong time to have certain kinds of struggles. Then I ask myself, why do they do it? It is simple. Somebody told them they were naked. When Jesus said, have the faith of God, or have faith in God, what was he saying? Take information only from him. That's what he was saying. That's the way my sister said that. You guys know, I said, who said so? Why do you buy every nonsense that is sold to you? One day my sister told me, you know, my mother was um, not feeling well, you know, she was feeling faint. So I called, they called me and told me. My mother is 76, I'm not sure if I age, 75, 76. I mean, how old is your mother-in-law? <laughs> so so I, I, I talked, my, it was my sister that called me or my sister-in-law, because that day she was in my, my brother's place. So I, so I was not asking her questions that, okay, she traveled the day before. It was quite a long journey to get down to my brother's place. So I needed to, they called me, of course, because I'm a doctor and all of that. So I was asking questions, is she eating and all of that. Ah, so my sister just picked on me. She not eat too. She doesn't agree to eat. So I said, why not now? That, do I know that the latest that she doesn't eat bread? Ah. So I gave her, I gave her the phone. Why are you not eating bread? Um, nothing. My sister said there's something that she heard that they said wheat is bad for you. You know, you know when I react sometimes, my wife said, why do you react like this? I, I was so angry with her that day. I said, mommy, at the age of 75, bread did not kill you when you were one. It didn't kill you when you were two. At the age of 10, it didn't kill you. In your 20s, you were having children like me, and we came out healthy while you were eating bread. Now you're a grandmother. How long do you want to live, actually, that you want to stop eating bread? <laughs> and my wife will tell you, my mother is one of the healthiest people she knows of that age. My mother has never called me for anything more than my nose is stuffy. She's generally very healthy. But then, you know these jokers that run around town? Dietary advice. When people are jobless and confused, they become diet advisors. There are so many of them. I see them all over town. I don't, I don't want to start on you now. Let me preach my message. But don't, don't let them confuse you. Hallelujah diet. I will tell you about hallelujah diet. If you have hallelujah diet, this is how to do hallelujah diet. Carry your food and shout hallelujah. <laughs> Father, thank you that I have this food to gazo. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's all. Any hallelujah more than that is confusion. Some people come and put the name of God behind a dietary mechanism. Don't eat this one in the morning. It's a lawyer diet. It's a lie. I will say this one of you won't like it. Derek Prince said there are doctrines of demons. For of those things, to make it look, food has nothing to do with righteousness. Let me stick to my message. You are the vex. You know? What I'm trying to emphasize is who told you you were naked? 
Then, but Jesus said, you can't live your life like that. That's what Jesus said. What is the basis of the food you eat? Jesus said, what did God say about it? That's what it means how to have the faith of God. Nigeria is bad. I'm going to London. I'm going to America. I'm going to Australia. I'm going to South Africa. I'm going here. Jesus said, who told you? That's the meaning of have the faith of God or have faith in God. Don't have faith in the economy of any country. Don't have faith in job prospects in a distant land. Don't have faith in any profession. Don't have faith in anybody. Don't even have faith in a man of God. Have faith only in God. The reason why people make very silly decisions, they start jumping up and down like the devil. Where are you coming from? Running to and fro is because they don't have faith in God. Many people have faith in the business their neighbor is doing. Why? Because ever since that man started that business, he's bought a car, he started building a house. Meanwhile, you don't know what the man is really doing. What you can see is what you can see. So they have faith in their neighbor's business. But Jesus said, have faith in God. And when he was talking about it, he was trying to emphasize to the, to the disciples, let your faith be an all-round, complete, total part of every part of your life. That's why I'm teaching this series. Like I said, where I'm going is that I see Christians treating faith like something you pick up and then you drop it when you don't need it. When you need it, you go and get it. What do I mean? If I'm sick, I go and take the faith and use it. But if I want to make a decision concerning who to marry, I don't need it. I have enough sense. If I have to change my jobs, all right, I don't need it. I'm going from job A to job 2. I won't take the faith. But then when I need breakthrough, I will go and get that faith. And that's why the faith is ineffective. That's what I'm talking about. When the Lord Jesus spoke to the tree, he wasn't trying to start a tree-killing ministry. He really didn't have much personal against that tree after that day. It was not going to affect his ministry. But then, because he always had his faith in God, when he opened his mouth and spoke against a tree, the tree died. Some of us want to open our mouth and bless our children, then curse every other person. I don't know what I get my point. That's what I mean when I say, you can't just take faith when you need it, and then hang it. You'll be disobeying the words of the Lord Jesus here when he said, have faith in God. We'll get back to it. Let's just finish reading this portion or explaining some things there. Now, this is what I was trying to say to you earlier, that this is my thought about it. That if you look at it, say, have faith in God, truly I say to you, if you say to this mountain, and you don't doubt in your heart, you will have what you say. Therefore, I said in, I say in verse 24, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe. And I want to bring out something here. This is what I have, I read it. He was saying to them like this. All things for which you pray and ask, if you can believe. That's what he was trying to explain to them. It was a condition. That look at the way it is. If you can bring yourself to the point of believing. And what I'm convinced about what I'm saying is this. If you look at it, he didn't try and say, let me kill the tree. Now, hold me while I believe. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Please, are you following me? I'm going to show you that he wasn't trying to be deliberated by this application of faith. The faith was just part of his life. And he was saying to them, if you can get to that point, then everything you pray and ask for, it shall be granted you. 
I said something the other day. I was sharing a testimony of one of our sisters here. She's not here now. Last Saturday, after we finished ministering here, she came to speak with me that during the seminar, I said that, and I can't remember saying it, but she was telling me what I said, that I just said, pray God is a father. You don't need to try. Okay, I think I know the context in which I must have been speaking. I must have been trying to emphasize the fact that this one that Christians do these days of trying to bribe God is not necessary. Now, my children don't try to bribe me when they need anything from me, they just ask. Why? It's a relationship thing. In fact, the other day, you know, my wife traveled, so I called my daughter and said, see you. I left her alone at home, so only her and I were at home. So I realized that there was no food to eat. There was food in the freezer, but you know, it's all frozen. You can't identify what is what. Since you're not the one that put it there, some of them are in, you know, store bags, bowls, and you can see the rice there, you can see the yam, but... Sometimes I don't know whether I had even peel yam again. You know, if you marry for 16 years, you spoil after a while. <laughs> it's just the way life is. You, you spoil after some time. Why? Well, I mean, <laughs> so that day I just called my daughter. I said, please, eh? She was alone in the house. That, she's a young girl, of course, for those of you who don't know. She's, how old is her? Eight or so, all right? Or nine. Uh-huh. So she wasn't going to cook by herself. So I said, what would you like to eat? So that we can buy it and bring it. He said, mm, I'm not too hungry, but just bring chicken and chips. Now look, my girl, eh? I am not. I said, okay, I'm not about to go around this night looking for chicken and chips, driving all the way to the mall. Anyway, we here we just said right there. So please, they say rice. I thought I'll bring you rice and plantain. Now, what I'm trying to say is that so later on she kept. I said, okay, we'll get the chicken and chips on that day. So that day, I was, I was wearing a pair of shoes that I brought for Akinudu. He said, is that my chicken and chips? I said, no, this is chicken and shoes. You understand? <laughs> now, please get to my point. She just takes it for granted. I'm going to get my chicken and chips. So I, t- I just told the mother, please, prepare chicken and chips for your daughter since your husband promised she will get chicken and chips. Now, why am I telling the whole story? If you see, there was nothing about it. Just me. So that day, where's my chicken and chips? It's not of, after all the offering I gave. How far? <laughs> there was nothing about it. It's just that, that is, you must understand your responsibility. My duty is to ask. Your duty is to supply. That's what life be. Why fight people over their own rules in life? That was the kind of thing I was trying to say. That we approach God simply and ask. And our sister was not testifying that that evening she got home. Asked the Lord for something and by the next day, the Lord did it. She now said something. Which I'm telling the story. I said, ah! If it was like this, I should have just asked last, maybe this last month. Why did I wait till today? I said, if you had asked last month, you would not have gotten it. She said, why? I said, because, you see, faith was stirred up in your heart by the words that you heard. That's what I'm to emphasize. God was always there. Always. But the truth is that most times, in fact, our preaching these days as pastors weaken the faith of Christians more than it strengthens it. Anytime people start with, you know, God doesn't just answer you, you have to sow something. They have killed your faith. Do you hear what I said? Yes. Yeah, they are destroying your faith. You don't, I've heard preachers preach it. You don't just come to God and just think you will just ask and you will just do it. You must have put a seed. Let me just tell you, you know, I'm tired of being nice. Although I've not been nice for a long time anyway. <laughs> It's a lie. It doesn't work like that. It kills your faith. 
It removes your confidence in the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. You now see people have problems. They start quoting that, ah, was the tithe not complete? And if, for example, they earn 35,600, no, 35,000, um, maybe 200. Now, what's the title on that? 3,520. Eh? 3, so they decided that, I mean, let's just round the thing down, you know? So they decided to give God 3,500. If they are more to jam that week, devil will say, you see, you are owing the Lord 20 naira. That was, you know now, I mean, you've been there. Wipe out your faith. Because you are approaching God based on what you have done. That has to come to an end. I told her that I said, see, why you could do that? Because God says, he that comes to him must believe. I'm going to emphasize something. Faith was stirred up because you heard words. I heard the testimony of one of my friends too, who lives abroad. And he lives in Canada. And he wanted his mother to come and visit. He said he had prayed, he had done everything. They, had, they heard me preach anatomy of prayer. And I said the same thing there. That just approached God with sincerity. He said he sat down on the stairs in his house and said, he just put his head against the wall and said, Lord, give my mother a visa. A few days later, the mother went for the visa interview and they gave it to her. He called me to tell me that in all this, Hakabagasha, all the demons that said my mother will not visit this year, he said, yeah, you come to an end. I told you, the more you shout, the less the faith you have. Listen, listen, listen. Those who have faith, all right, if you can carry something, you don't strain. The one you strain is because your muscle is too small. When you are doing like this, we know the one you can't carry. If you've seen the advert of which milk is that, when one man they strain, strain, one boy just carry the thing like this, sweep, drop him. <laughs> you are getting what I'm trying to say here. What the Lord was saying, what the Lord Jesus was saying, is if you can believe, if faith is there in your heart, he wasn't trying to say, make sure you believe, oh, make sure you believe, oh. <laughs> no. He was explaining to them that if you don't find results, it's because faith was not in your heart. The other day, I told you here, okay, I mentioned it last Saturday when I was teaching, that my wife and I once, we, we had some issues in the house and all of that, so we prayed and we didn't see the kind of results we wanted, so we just took a stroll. We're walking and we're talking about it. So my wife was like, ah, why can't, you know, we're just asking questions. How do you declare A and B happens? I said, well, the word of God works. So we're having questions at the end of the day. I believe the Holy Spirit began to give me words to speak. That old boy, if faith is there, it works. If it, if, it, if it didn't work, it wasn't there. It's not how much you think you believe. It's whether it produces the results or it doesn't that will tell you whether you believe or you don't. I said something on Tuesday. That listen, if you're having to strain, just like I said just now, it is because the weight you are trying to carry is heavy. The weight in itself is not heavy, it's not light. It depends on who's carrying it. I hope you get my point. The weight, I mean, look at the whole a whole um, truckload of cement. You know, that thing is very heavy. Wait till it gets stuck. You see another, t- <laughs> another one, just pull it as if it's not there. Weight is not absolute. Is, is it big or small? It depends on who is trying to push it. If a child wants to carry a 50 kg 
bag of rice. He knows his life has come to an end. Are you getting my point? If an average young woman wants to carry it, he won't just say, no, I can't, so I can't. So. But these boys will load cement every day. <laughs> toss it like this, put the second, they will balance, put the second one. And the guy goes and tosses it over, and then goes and does it again. Why? He has the strength. The amount of strain, okay, we put in before we get results spiritually is a reflection of the amount of faith we don't have. In all honesty, is all the way we shout, shout at demons is a sign that you don't have faith to cast them out. Most of the conversations Jesus had with demons is, is the one that knows what he said. People around don't even know what's going on. Like I told you before, when it was the only time he was raising his voice to get results, he warned ahead of time that I'm raising the voice so that you people can hear. That was, that was when he walked the hardest miracle in the whole Bible. That was the hardest thing to do for any human being that ever lived. And that was to raise Lazarus from the dead. Because Lazarus was not a man who died in the morning and you raised in the evening. Lazarus was dead for four days. And Jesus said, I had to do this to convince you people that you are not dealing with a normal average person. So when he was doing it at that time, he said, I'm only talking this loud because I want you to know. Otherwise, I would have raised Lazarus with a whistle. What am I saying? Because faith in him was strong, he, had, he needed only to exert little energy to get results. Please follow what I'm going to explain. Like I said earlier, my main, the thing I'm going for in this series of teachings that I'm beginning today is to help Christians plug the, let me put it like this, plug the leak to faith. And the major leak I have found out is that they compartmentalize faith in their lives. So they use it when they like it, and they don't use it when they don't feel they need it or when they don't like the results of it. But the truth is that it hinders the ability of faith in the area that they need it. What do I mean? That faith, the way God has, taught, has designed it, is a total package. Let me explain this. There are choices you will make as a single man concerning who you will marry or you won't marry, which will either give you strength to be able to believe God for finances later in life, or you will never be rich no matter how you try. I'm serious about that. There is a way you will look at people. That is, people are talking to you, and you maybe, let me give practical, and you look at them that these are not important people. You disobey the word of God, you refuse to treat everybody with respect, and then you go to work, you start blessing your business. And God said, you see, you don't understand. You have no faith. If you had faith, you would not have been a respecter of men. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That your faith will have reflected when you have re- related with human beings. That this one that you're a respecter of men. When you see a man that's well-dressed, is yes, sir. When he's dressed roughly, come on, leave my front. Then you now turn around later, you lay hands on the sick. God said, you don't understand. The power to pray for the sick disappeared when you talk wrongly to that man three days ago. Why? Faith is total. Faith is total. You either take it in its total entirety, or you just forget it and go and be hosting like an average unbeliever. It is not as if I will have faith for healing. 
I will be strong there. And then I will not, I will not neglect, I will neglect faith when it comes to relationships. I will neglect faith when it comes to forgiveness. I will neglect faith when it comes to obeying the call of God for my life. Then I suddenly expect that faith will be strong when it comes to the place of healing. No, it does not work like that. And that was why Jesus said, have faith in God. What am I bringing that from that have faith in God thing today? Oh, the Lord is saying, listen, make up your mind. How do you want to live your life? Where do you get information from? Have faith in God means my source of information is the word of God. Whatever God says is first, is primary, is above every other thing. Let me quickly explain another thing. And I want to just talk about this lifestyle of faith. Faith must be a lifestyle. And I want, to, I want to use a small thing to give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. Have you ever gotten this text message? For this to 10 people, and within five days, money will come to you. Somebody said all the time. Sometimes it comes like this. Oh, let me just quickly tell you one I got recently. It will make you laugh. They said this is based on Chinese Wang Fu or something like that. That February this year, this type of February only occurs once in 823 years. This February has four Mondays, four Tuesdays, four Wednesdays, four Thursdays, four Saturdays, uh, four Fridays, four Saturdays, and four Sundays. This is a, it's called money bags. You heard it, you saw it. And that this will occur only once in 800 and something years. So forward this within the next 10 minutes or 11 minutes to 20 people or whatever, and money will arrive in four days. The person who sent it to me, I replied him. I said, my God, happy new year, sir. I said, I happen to know that every year, February he has four Sundays, four Mondays, four Tuesdays, four Wednesdays, Four Thursdays, four Fridays, and four Saturdays. It's 28 days. They have to share it equally. Many of you didn't think about it until now. I said, except for leap years. And in the leap years, it's 29. And one of those days must have an extra one, five days. I said, this is the interesting part, sir. This year happened to be a leap year, and Monday has five. I said, this year happens to be a leap year. And Monday this year is five. As I said, you see, it's all a fat lie. It's my, it's somebody senior to me. I said, sir, it's all a fat lie. Happy New Year again. <laughs> so he replied me, say, Banky, not true? In my mind, Oga. <laughs> <laughs> Why won't it be true? There's one, I wish I could just reach it now, but let me just quickly tell you something about it. They call it, um, it's something with the Pope. That this Pope is, I can't remember now, that is the, no, I shouldn't waste your time looking for it. But they said the Pope, as an example, is the, which Pope is he? Which number is he? 260-something Pope, something like that. And that he went to America on the 260-something day of the year. And that if you check this, check that. So and people were forwarding it. What does that tell you? The spirit of Antichrist, the cataclysm of the atomic bomb, all kind of things. Forward to 10 people to one people so they can pray. So, somewhere forward to our brethren. I'm an interesting person. So, I sat and brought a calendar. And counted from January to the day the Pope went to America. 
And that was not even the number of days. If they say it was 263rd day, it was like 252nd day. It was not. But people were forwarding it up and down. So I said, Bridget, why don't you even just check facts? You've heard all of this, uh, Amvijay Sandra, the head of WhatsApp. Recently, we were sold to Facebook. Now, WhatsApp server is being... Of course, let's not talk about the ignorance of human beings, which is very, very frightening. They'll say, this, our server is being overloaded. So what you will do is send to 20 people on your WhatsApp list. I said, a man who said his server is being overloaded, said, please, help me load this some more. Does it make sense? But human beings so, are so ignorant of technology, they start for say, otherwise your, your logo will turn yellow. Think. Don't let somebody make a merchandise of your soul. I'm going somewhere. You see where I'm going in a moment. People now say, this is where I'm going. This is the logic of human beings. There's no, it doesn't cost anything. It's just a few clicks, just in case. Now, that's where I'm going. My whole message is not about whether you forward messages or you don't forward messages. I want you to know that everything you do in life makes a spiritual statement. That's where I'm going. People say it doesn't cost anything. After all, it's free. It's free forwarding. WhatsApp is free. Even when, it was using, when we're using SMS for it, Maybe 10 SMS messages is just 40 naira, 4 naira per message. It's something small to avert something great that might be evil. Or something small for the potential of winning something great. So people say it doesn't cost anything. It's little to lose, much to gain. You've heard that before. Of course, you can be sure of one thing. Yours sincerely, I have never forwarded anything in my life. I learned this as, as a university student. When we learned the word of faith, the word of faith messages we heard, made sure we never gave into the spirit of fear. Those days it was letters. It was letters. Chain, what they call chain letters. When you get this letter, four to, uh, send mail to ten people, then you will get this. This man did not mail it. He died within a week. Remember those things? We were learning the word of faith. So once you put a threat, we say, Lila, in the name of Jesus... I am above alone and not beneath. Greater is he that is in me than he. That's what, that was what we learned. So we needed to use our faith, not to fall for it. That was when I laid my foundation. I have never forwarded anything in my life that has a threat attached or has a promised reward. I've never forwarded one. Not because I'm strong in myself, but because as young students, we're taught faith. And this is what I'm talking about. People say there's little to lose. Much to gain. Just send it just in case. There was a time some people said they, went, they died and went to hellfire. Please go and tell them. They will die later and go to hellfire later. Because that one, they didn't die and didn't go to any hellfire. They are lying in the name of the Lord. And then God will have to send somebody to hellfire eventually. But they came back and said that when they got to hellfire, they saw women with earrings. Artificial, you no know, add-on to their hair and stuff like that. So you saw people all over town. Lipsticks vanished. Earrings disappeared. Hair went back to natural. Sorry for the women selling those things in the market. Business was bad that season. Why am I talking about it? I'm talking about total faith. Why am I talking about it? People said... Just remove it just in case. That's where I'm going. Is that just in case I'm trying to address? Is it little to lose 
much to gain I'm trying to address. The fact is that you are not losing little. You are losing much. That's what I want to emphasize. Anytime you forward something because of the fear of the possible consequence when I don't, you have not lost little, my brother. You have not lost little, my sister. You have lost a lot. You have given into the spirit of fear. You have spoken in the realm of the spirit that you are not sure of the protection that you have in Christ. You have secretly, like Job said, lifted your hand to the moon in worship. You don't realize it. Because somebody said to you, General Chong Fuen did not forward it. He died within a week. This person did not forward it. His house collapsed. This one forwarded it and got money. Once you agree and forward, listen, my brethren, you have tapped into a spirit of fear. You have weakened your faith. Tomorrow you say, God, give me money. He can't. Why? There is no faith in your heart. Where did it go? It went away when you were forwarding stupid messages. That's why I'm talking about total faith. You cannot relate with the economy of the nation by fear. And then expect to get healed by faith. You're kidding. It is that compartmentalization of faith I'm fighting today in this series. To let people know this is where they lose faith. Once I saw a young man, oh boy, how far with the girl you told me you wanted to marry? Ah, Banky, see, this was what happened. By the time he finished telling me the reason why I called off the marriage arrangement. <laughs> 